Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here this morning. We are honored by your presence. If you're joining us online, Merry Christmas Eve, I guess, is what we're saying. It's become a thing this morning. Uh, we need a better greeting, I feel like. Somebody's got to work on that. I don't know if Hallmark has one, uh, if we're missing out on something. But there's, uh, Merry Christmas seems perfect. Merry Christmas Eve just seems a little off. Although now that I'm saying it, it doesn't sound that bad. So maybe it was just the way you all were saying it. Maybe you weren't saying it with the proper amount of Buddy the Elfness. But I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I feel like I'm getting ready to play a football game. That's kind of the excitement and the energy flowing through my veins. I love Christmas. I feel like I've been clear about that. I just kind of want to yell Santa for the next 30 minutes and then uh, let you guys go. But I'm not going to do that. We're going to actually continue our series on the gifts from above. And today we're looking at joy. Today we're looking at joy. So we've talked about hope. We've talked about peace. This morning we will talk about joy. And this evening we will finish with love. But uh, I I think that, uh, as you all have heard, at least in the first couple weeks, I think I've adequately expressed my love for gifts, right? It is my love language. I love gifts. I could not see you for 10 years. You could send me a gift, and I would feel like we were the bestest of friends, right? That's just how I am. Uh, Love them. Love them so much. Love them all. Doesn't matter what they are. Food, socks, pajamas. Uh, I just, I like things. And I like opening things, and I get excited for things. Um, I don't discriminate whatsoever in my love for gifts. Now, the thing that I think I love about gifts more than anything is the joy that they bring, right? And every week I feel like I say, the thing I love most about gifts is, but every time I'm like studying, I'm like, man, open, like just the excitement, the joy, the, the just... You know what I'm saying? The energy that flows through your fingers as you're destroying paper or uh, ripping the tissues out of the bag. I just love it. And I love uh, the joy that comes with Christmas. Uh, Jesus is an eternal giver of joy, an eternal giver of joy. And so with his presence to this earth, he brought joy along with him. Now, part of the reason that Jesus was able to do this for us is that he gave up his position of joy. Proverbs 8, uh, verses 30 through 31 have long been attributed to Jesus. And it says, Then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. See, he's talking about being beside the Father and being in that position of joy, even saying that daily he was his delight. He was with the Father, experiencing joy that we all hope to one day get to experience as well. And he left that position of joy for something at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. If we look at Isaiah 53, which is quoted uh, or seen as a prophecy about Jesus, it says, he was despised and rejected. This is verse three. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. So Jesus left his position of joy so that we might be able to experience joy, and all he was uh, greeted with was sorrow and anger and people who esteemed him not. Now he experienced the highest of highs, and he submitted himself to the lowest of lows so that we might experience and so that he might give us everlasting joy that we don't deserve. And if that doesn't bring about a feeling of hope as well, and also 
peace and allow us to recognize the love that he has for us, I don't know what else will. And in submitting himself to the lowest of lows to ensure that we would receive this joy that we don't deserve, he promises us the experience of joy, even in experiencing sorrow. See, Jesus promises those who experience sorrow that it won't be a permanent condition. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Because so many of us get in a place, a headspace, just a, a pattern of thought where all we can see is the negative. All we can see is what's going wrong. All we can see is how life is not measuring up to what we wanted it to be. Well, in Jesus, we have a promise that that sorrow, that feeling of the lack of joy will not last. It won't be a permanent condition. In Matthew 5, verse 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. In Luke 6, 21, he said, blessed are those of you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. As you can tell, I appreciate that verse. Love it. Okay, that's not the part of the verse we're focusing on, but the hunger and the satisfaction, I'm good. I'm good with. I'm down for, right? But he goes on to say, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Laugh, right? And laughter to me is the epitome of joy. It is the expression of joy, the ability to find humor in life. Again, we see the complete opposite sides of the spectrum. You may weep now, but you will experience laughter again. Jesus experienced sorrow just like we do in his humanity. And he understood the importance of joy, the necessity of the hope that joy would come in the morning, right? That a new dawn would break, that our circumstances would certainly change. And I find it interesting that while he is characterized in Isaiah 53 as a man of sorrow, not once does he have that title in the New Testament. Rather, he is characterized repeatedly by joy, joy that he gives and joy that he experiences. In fact, it's how Jesus entered the world. He entered the world in joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Joy for all people. That is how Christ entered into the world, as a gift of joy. The introduction of Jesus was an introduction of joy. And because that's the case, or the reason that's the case, I should say, is because the introduction of Jesus was the introduction of salvation, and that salvation is for all. And if no other reason, if we have no other reason to express joy or experience joy, that in and of itself is a reason, that we have the opportunity to experience salvation, to be forgiven of the sins that we have committed in our life, and that it is willingly a gift given to us that Christ left his seat on high for the depths of the cross that should bring about joy in you today you see we experience joy because Jesus went to the cross to solidify our faith and he did so for our joy 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I want you to listen to these verses if you've never heard them before, if it's been a while since you've read them. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He left his joy so that we might experience joy ourselves. Joy is a necessary part of receiving the kingdom of heaven, which Christ won by the cross. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is um, delivering a message in the form of a parable, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You see, the joy of the Lord is worth giving everything up for. And for those of us who receive that salvation, who find that treasure of heaven, we will joyfully give up everything we have and everything we are just for it. To take up our cross and follow him, we will give everything understanding that we will receive everything. And what's cool about experiencing salvation, and I always love things like this in Scripture where it talks about how we bring joy to God the Father and we bring joy to Christ the Son, because I have to tell you, looking just introspectively at myself, I don't see how that's always really possible. Maybe you're not like me, but there's not a lot of times in my life where I can look back and think, man, I think I just bring a lot of joy to God. I bet he's glad that he made me, you know? My parents tried to screw this up, but look at me now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas Eve. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's here. I love you. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, right? But there's not a lot of times where I think, man, that's the case. But if we read Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7, it says, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You see, when we recognize the fact that we need Jesus, that repentance is necessary in our lives, that we are lost and can be found, when Jesus gets to experience that, he says that there's more joy in heaven over one lost soul recognizing that they are lost than over 99 righteous persons who have no need for repentance. That's you that he's talking about. That's you that he places on his shoulders and rejoices. That's you that he goes and gathers a feast to celebrate. 
he finds you worthy of joy. And I think that that is a little bit miraculous. Again, I'll bring it back to myself, not to you. It's not a miracle that you would bring God joy, but it kind of is. Okay, it kind of is. But I think that for me, it's kind of life-changing. It's kind of life-changing for somebody who, if I'm being really honest, just struggles in general to find value in self. I struggle a little less when I realize that Christ finds value in me. Joy is a sign that salvation has taken place. Why do I say that? I say that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I at least feel like I have some of these, right? These are the fruits of the Spirit. You see, when I think of a faithful Christian, I think of a joyful Christian. Joy oozes from a believer. Maybe not all the time. Maybe not all the time. But a believer in Christ can find joy in life. You know, when I think about joy and joyful Christian, I'm, I'm going to share this. I'm going to brag on him a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he'll want me to do this, but I don't care because I have the mic and I'm in control, right? But when I think of a joyful believer, I think of Dave Plemons. I think of Dave Plemons. And this week, thinking about you, Dave, put a smile on my face multiple times. Dave is a grown man who will giggle. I love it, man. He is a grown man who will giggle at the littlest of things, things that the rest of us should find joy in because it means that we're experiencing life, but don't, Dave finds joy in. Dave will come up to you with his cell phone and put it two inches from your face and say, have you seen this? Isn't this awesome? And you're like, it's an 80s metal Christian band, Dave. I'd, that was 10 years before I was even born. I guess it's great, right? But Dave loves it. And I love that Dave loves it. And I'll watch every video he brings to me, right? It's about the ability to find little things. Dave, I think, actually enjoys his job. Now, I enjoy this job. I can understand that most of the time. But I'm saying Dave, I think, loves his job. There are a few days when I'm like, man, I love this job. Not this job. I have another job. We won't talk about that job just in case people are watching. But there aren't a lot of days where I'm like, man... This is fantastic. There are a lot more days where I'm like, you ever wake up one day and just think to yourself, how did I get here, right? It's like Groundhog Day. It just keeps coming, right? Until summer hits, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why. But a, 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 a godly Christian, I mean, which should be every Christian, is a joyful Christian. We have a duty, in fact, to be joyful. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul encourages his readers by saying, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. You see, this is an encouragement that he has given them multiple times already in the letter that he's written to them. He calls on them to rejoice in the Lord. Find reasons to be joyful. Philippians didn't have a lot of reasons to be joyful. They were a church that was under some severe persecution. But... His encouragement to them was to be joyful, to rejoice. Now he makes it clear that he's been repetitive throughout the letter because, again, I tell you, he says rejoice. It's important to realize that Paul 
expresses joy as a choice. You can choose joy. In the face of hardship, in the face of persecution, in the face of exhaustion, we can and we must choose joy. Well, pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I probably don't. I probably don't. Pastor, you don't know how hard it's been. I agree, I don't. I don't. I've been through hardship. I know what that feels like, but all of our situations are unique. And it is sometimes easier to empathize when you've been through a similar situation with people, but we've never been in their exact shoes. And we don't always understand their exact feelings. And I understand that I don't know exactly the struggles that you face. And I may never will. And chances are you probably don't want me to ever have to. But I'm telling you that in those moments, you must choose joy. And I think it's important to understand that while Paul writes these words to the Philippians, he's in prison. He's in prison. He's not living the best life. He's not hanging out at feasts. He's not being adored and followed. People aren't constantly praising him. He's in prison. But he understands that the cure for discouragement is to find the joy that can be had. The cure for discouragement is to find joy that can be had. We're going to get sciency. Are you ready? Sciency. It's a word. I made it up or I didn't, but either way, it's what we're doing. March 2023, the Mayo Clinic reported that 27% of adults report that they are so stressed most days that they can't function. That's over one out of every four. So stressed most days that they cannot function. 75% of adults report at least one stress-related symptom on the regular. Headaches, fatigue, nervousness, depression. The Mayo Clinic decided to study this, to figure out how to cure it if possible. You know what they found had the greatest effect on relieving life stresses? It wasn't a pill. And for some of you, it wasn't a plant. <laughs> just saying. And just so we're clear, not against either of those, if those are what's best for you. I believe in medication. I think God has his hand in science as well. There was a huge chunk of my life, over a third of it, where if it hadn't have been for medication, I'm going to be honest with you, probably wouldn't be here. So don't hear me say that and say that I think that's bad, not good, shouldn't be something you're using. Not saying that. Okay, I want to be clear on that. But the thing that they found that had the greatest effect on those who reported these conditions was joy. It was joy. Dr. Rebecca Frunzak, I'm sure I said that right, states, happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is more of a state of being. When you are joyful, it doesn't mean you're always giddy or happy, but it means that you can appreciate moments of happiness within the bigger context of life. I think that's pretty powerful. 
Again, me maybe being an oversharer, I have at times in life, not currently, but in the past, gone to see a professional counselor. And it was a psychiatrist. I don't know what he was. Somebody that's a professional that you pay to talk to that solves your life's problems. Or at least he did for me. He was wonderful. And I would uh, just say that if you are somebody out there who's struggling with whatever struggle you have right now with your mental health and you haven't gone to talk to somebody, I would suggest doing it. Even you big burly dudes who are like, I'm a man, I'll just chop wood or whatever it is that we do to solve our problems, right? I'm just telling you, best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. One of the things that I was taught there is to come up with a joy list. To find things that I'm thankful for. Because I was struggling with depression and I was struggling with anxiety and it was overwhelming. I was one of that 27% that found it so debilitating that I could barely function. Just walking around crying all the time. Which doesn't look great when you're 6'2", 315. I'm just saying. It looks a little funny. People get worried. But that's where I was. And so I remember sitting down uh, on the couch, you know, tell me how you feel. Just kidding. That wasn't exactly how it was. But uh, sitting down on the couch and we're having these discussions, and he's like, what are you thankful for? And I was like, I, uh, what? I don't know. Everything sucks. And he's like, everything sucks? Everything? So what are you thankful for? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I've just been thinking about everything that's been bad. He's like, well, you're breathing. Are you thankful for that? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I'd rather breathe than not breathe. So sure, I'm thankful for that. He's like, that's good. Did you drive a car over here? I was like, yeah, I drove a car over here. He's like, Were you able to put gas in it? Yeah, I was able to put gas in it. Are you thankful for your car and the gas? Well, I guess so. Yeah, I am. You have a house? Do you have somewhere to live? Four walls and a roof? Yeah, I do. He's like, don't take this the wrong way. You don't look like you've been hungry, but you hungry? And I'm like... <laughs> You're right, not been hungry. And we made this list. We made this list together, and I started to write down the things that I had to be thankful for. And then on the other side, like a little T chart, I wrote down the things that I was focusing on that were getting all of my attention. And guess what? My list of things to be thankful for was at least 20 times longer than the things that I had to be upset about. That's not to say that they weren't things to be upset about. That's not to say that I didn't have a valid reason for struggling. It's just to say that in the midst of any storm, you might be able to look up in the sky and see a rainbow off in the distance or see the sun peeking through the clouds. In the midst of every struggle, there are things to find happiness in. There are things to be joyful in. And we can choose to find joy in those things. We can choose to find joy in those things. So here's some things that they say that we can do when we are struggling to find joy. One, focus on what you can control. I think this is the best tip of all. So many of us are worried about things that we have no impact on, that we're not going to change. That all we can do is control what we can control. You can only do what you can control. You can't control me. You can't control another person. 
You can't control circumstances. Oftentimes, you can only control what you can control. So stop focusing on the things that you have no control over. I feel like you'll automatically start to see your anxiety decrease. Again, I realize it's easier to say than to do. I know that. But focus on the things that are in your control. Number two, express gratitude. Maybe you need to make a a thankful list, right? Maybe you need to do that today. Go home and just write down things you're thankful for. I'm breathing. I have a house. I mean, have you ever thought about how thankful you are for toilet paper? Seriously. Like the majority of us, maybe some of you do, we don't have outhouses. I don't have to leave my house to go to the bathroom. That's pretty cool. I mean, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but that's what I say when I say we can find things to be thankful for, right? Like there are plenty of things to be thankful for. So express gratitude. Thank others when they deserve to be thanked. Thank God for the blessings in your life. Think about the things in your life that are good. Number three, assume good intentions. Assume good intentions. This is something, uh, and this was when, while I was in therapy, I committed in that time in my life to assume good intentions. If I ask you, for instance, if there's a problem between us and you tell me no, that's my assumption. Even if everybody else comes up to me and is like, so-and-so is talking behind your back. They're saying this. They're saying that. I'll say, hey, I, with all due respect, I had a conversation with them. They said we were good, and I'm just going to trust that. I take people at their word. You know, for instance, if someone decides to leave our church, and I have a conversation of, hey, did I do something? And they tell me no. I believe it. I believe it. Even if maybe it's hard to believe, but I'll believe it. We must assume good in others. It's actually good for us to do so to assume that people are not out to get us, to assume that people are not trying to take advantage of us, to assume the best in others. We talked about that car wreck I had uh, a couple weeks ago where the truck came over and and sideswiped my car. And I was honest, I think it maybe cosmetically actually helped it out a little bit, kind of smoothed some things out. But it did break the mirror, and you kind of need a mirror on your driver's side. And so um, the guy, he pulled over with me and he had a little girl in the back seat and I automatically saw Cordelia and Winifred and she is hysterical crying and I'm like, this car's a piece of junk. I don't care. Like, just tell your daughter everything's okay. And he's like, well, let me pay for the mirror. We exchanged information. I didn't think I'd ever hear from him again. I just didn't. I texted him. I said, hey, I found this mirror. This is what I bought. If you can pay me, pay me. If not, Whatever. I didn't call insurance. I didn't call police. Not saying that was a wise decision. Not saying you shouldn't. Just saying in that moment, I felt like it wasn't necessary. I assumed good in him. Didn't know him. He didn't have to be upstanding. He would probably never see me again. I'll probably never see him again. He sent the money. And you know what? I was in a headspace. I was good whether he did or didn't. Because I'm fine. The car's fine. Everything's fine. Assume good in others. Concentrate on building relationships. Isolation is the number one thing that destroys a person when they're struggling. Isolation is the number one thing that's going to knock you down. It's what Satan wants. 
It's absolutely what Satan wants. He wants you to feel like you're the only one. He wants you to feel like you're an island. He wants you to feel like nobody cares. He wants you to feel like you're a burden. He wants you to feel like you don't deserve to be in community. That's what Satan wants. Don't listen to him. He's an idiot. Lord, protect me. I'm not being sarcastic about that because he'll probably attack now. But hey, he is what he is. Okay? Don't listen to him. Build relationships. Be in community. Force yourself to go out in public. Force yourself to be with others. It's good for you. You were designed to be that way. You're not a burden. People love you. Be present. Build relationships. And then last but not least, keep perspective. Keep perspective. Now, I know that this isn't the most compassionate thing to say to an individual, but one of the things I realize in my life is that there's almost always somebody who has it worse. I mean, that's, I feel like for most of us, fair to say. There's almost always someone who has it worse. Almost always. And so it's important for us to keep perspective and to realize where we are in life with certain things. Jarek and I talk about it all the time, not making mountains out of molehills. Because both of us, she probably doesn't want me to share this, but both of us tend to do that. Because both of us are slightly control freaks. Slightly. Right? But we tend to make mountains out of molehills. Things are not that big of an issue and we make it a big issue. And all the time we're telling each other, hey, molehill. Hey, molehill. Just let's let it go. Not that big of a deal. Right? But it's important for us to keep perspective and understand. Here's the perspective. Here's what you need to know. Christ came. Christ came for you. He came to die for you. He came willingly for you. It was a joy for him to do so. He joyfully went to the cross knowing that you might experience joy from his act. And don't get me wrong and Joy is not everything's great, right? It's not everything's great. Things were certainly not great for Jesus. Just so we're clear, dying on a cross, not great. Felt the pain. It was awful. Being beaten, being spit upon, being despised, being rejected, being esteemed not wasn't great for Jesus. But he had perspective and he knew why he was doing what he was doing. And just so we're clear, he was doing that for each and every one of you. And he was doing that for each and every person that walks this earth. To just have the chance. To have the chance to experience joy that only that act of sacrifice could bring. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are and for the joy that is available to us in life. Lord, I know that sometimes I make mountains out of molehills. I know sometimes, God, that I just lose track of what's important. I know that I'm not always uh, happy and cheerful, and I don't always find joy in things that I should, and I tend, God, to focus on the things that are wrong rather than the things that are right. But Lord, I pray that you would help me and help all of us not do that, that you would give us a mindset of gratefulness and thankfulness, that you would help us to daily think of the things that we have to be joyful for, daily think of the things that are good in our lives. Because God, there's always going to be bad. We live in a sinful world. There are always going to be things that could be better. There are always going to be things that we wish weren't. Always, always. 
but in you we can recognize the blessings that we have in life and in you we can find joy we can find joy we can choose joy so God help us all to do that today this is my favorite time of year it's also one of the toughest times of year for a lot of people because they've recently experienced loss or they experienced loss a long time ago and it just stings this time of year God I pray for those of us that are struggling with loss in this time of year Lord rather than what we don't have I pray that you would help us to focus on all the things we did have the happy memories the times together the blessings that are still around us God, sometimes it's so easy to focus on what's not here that we lose focus of what is. And while I think it's important to mourn and to recognize that we miss people that we miss, if we're so focused on missing those that we miss, we're missing those that are here right now. Help us not do that. Help us not to do that. Help us to count our blessings and to choose joy. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We're about to stand up and sing some songs, uh, songs that are worshipful, songs that are focusing on the blessing and the joy that we have. I would ask that you stand and worship with us if you're able. And um, if you need prayer for anything, come pray with me. Please come pray with me. I want you to come pray with me. I want to pray for you. If you need to talk about salvation, uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you that the best gift you could ever receive is that guy right there. There's not a better Christmas gift to give yourself than Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him, let's take care of that today. Let's get that figured out today. Everything else, you, if there's anything you need to talk to me about, grab me. I'll be here after service for a while. Come talk to me. Let me know. Otherwise, let's stand now. Let's worship. <laughs>